born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But how many other scriptures could be referring to Christ, and we don't see that? We call it the Messianic Psalms. So as you go through the Psalms, there's a lot of them refer to the Messiah. We call the 16th Psalm a Messianic Psalm because it talks about Christ's death, burial, his resurrection. It's all right there. We call the 22nd Psalm when it says, and uh, he made the statement, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, that's found right there in the 22nd Psalm, very first verse. Well, we know that's talking about Christ when he's on the cross. And so you read the 22nd Psalm and you can see the whole thing talking about Jesus Christ. And they looked upon me and so forth. And they gambled for my clothes at the foot of the cross. And uh, so it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. But now notice what he says here in verse 4. And some of them believed. You notice he doesn't say all of them. Some of them believed. And consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. So there was men and women that believed on the Lord. And it says that uh, he had reasoned with a lot of these, even the Jewish people, reasoned out of the scriptures, and many people believed, even the Greeks down in verse 4. So is this why the Lord wanted him to come here? Because there was a lot of fruit, and a lot of people would believe on Christ. You notice, God does not make people trust Him as Savior. Now, you'll hear some people, called Calvinists, say that uh, God is the one that determines whether you believe or not. And He gives faith to believe to certain ones that He's chosen to, to save. That's not true. That is not the Bible. God in His sovereignty means that God can do whatever He wants. God in His sovereignty chose to give man a free will. So simple. So God will let us make the decision. But he has already determined that he will save whosoever believes. And whosoever will not believe, he doesn't save. But it's our choice. But it's a very important choice. Now look there in verse 5. This is Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. Not everyone was in love with the apostle. You would think, well, he doesn't do anything wrong. It didn't bother anybody. He's not hurting society. Yes, but whenever you teach truth, it sheds a light upon error. And because everything he said was true, well, then if people don't believe the right thing, they got to challenge you. So people that are in error attack truth. 
And so here you find in verse 4, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy. You know, this is what's going on right now in the White House, in Congress. There's so many people who are so jealous. I heard the other day, there's even talk now trying to, going after his daughter. Going after his daughter. Why? Because she's a, a, a beautiful young lady, and she can think for herself, and she is a leader, but she's not a Democrat. That's the main reason, because she's not a Democrat. She's conservative. Well, you don't expect if here's the Democrats in the House and the Senate, and you got Republicans. It doesn't matter who the person is that they want to nominate for any position. They're going to be against them. Why? Because they're not a Democrat. That's why we had an election. So that we could do what we wanted to do, and they're against it. I can't see why anybody would want to be a Democrat. I mean, it's no, it has nothing to do with our Constitution. It's, the, it's completely false. It's a communistic philosophy. It's socialism. And you think, how in the world did they ever get in there in the first place? Well, because, see, we, when you don't teach truth in, the, in our schools, if people grow up, they don't know how to vote. They just vote for whoever promised them the most. And so Democrats can do well until they run out of other people's money. And so sooner or later, they're going to run out of other people's money. Because eventually, they keep taking enough away that nobody will have anything. And that's what communism does. Then after a while, you know, you lost everything. And they're talking about, we've got to have this. No, but, okay. Let me give you my personal opinion. Uh, this is a personal opinion. Uh, I don't believe that it's government's business to be in health care. That's not government's job. There's nowhere in the Constitution you can justify, you know, health insurance. And along that same line, uh, health, education, and welfare all be three things just, just to eliminate those three departments. You don't need them. Why? Because that's not their job. It's not the job of government. Those came on later because Democrats got in and voted it all in and took in, put in the Social Security. They even took and put in there all the stuff about the the income tax and why you have to pay taxes on your wages and so forth. You know, at one time, it was unconstitutional. You couldn't tax a man's wages. Because, you see, wages is, a, uh, is comparable to your work. And so I gave you this, you gave me that. That's an even. That's a wash. That You can't tax that. But because people don't know, so they just go ahead and... Because IRS don't care what you believe. They can come and get your money one way or the other. If they got to take your house, put a garnish on you, they can do whatever they want because they got the power. It doesn't make it right. That's why I'd love to see them abolish that thing. And you'd be surprised, 150 years in America, we didn't have an income tax. And then when they started it, it's when they started all the government programs. Because you got to have this guy was always talking about a, a voluntary tax. It's not voluntary. You tried not paying it. And you see... Uh, all the things. But if people didn't have to pay government to pay all the money, people could do a better job themselves. People years ago, see, they needed the church. They needed the church. Because you came to church and people knew who you were. And you proved your faithfulness and blah, blah, blah. And you had a problem. Then, then you got people who know you and understand and can help you together. Your house burned down. They all get together and help you build it back. But now that's not the way. See, nobody needs the church. They don't, they don't need each other. We got government takes care of us. Everybody looks through the White House. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
But anyway, I thought I'd just throw that out there. No extra charge. Now look what he says here. As you talk about the Apostle Paul and where he went, the people he reached, not everything was wonderful. He says here in verse 5, The Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. (laughs) You're talking about class warfare. And gathered a company, set all the city on an uproar. You know, this is what was going on in the uh, uh, election stuff. People paying other people to go into protest and cause as much trouble and riots as whatever they can do. It's one thing to protest, another thing to riot. There's no right to bust people's windows and burn people's cars and jump on police cars and hurt somebody because they happened to be wearing a hat you didn't like or voting for somebody that you disagree with. You don't have a right to take away somebody else's right. And those people who take and do this, they ought to be prosecuted and put in jail. You start putting people in jail for 5, 10, 15 years, they'll stop some of that stuff. You say, well, they don't know who it was. They got cameras. You can watch it every night on the news. But anyway, what a world we live in. So they set the whole city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Isn't that a wonderful declaration? I mean, you can't ask for anything better testimony than that. What did they do? They turned the world upside down. Or did they turn it right side up? It's already upside down. And finally, people are hearing the gospel, trusting Christ as Savior, and there's people that just don't like it. The devil doesn't like it. There's people that just don't, it doesn't agree with their religion. And a lot of times, it's the Jews which believe not that caused Paul the biggest problem he had. And who did Paul love? He loved the Jew. He loved them. They hate him. So he would try to win them to the Lord. And 40 of them at one time took a vow. They would not eat until they killed him. They took a vow. 40 of them. How would you like to be Paul? Oh, I'd love to be Paul. Sometimes we can say certain things. We're afraid to, you know, go home or do something because look how many different times I've said things about uh, the religion of Islam. Did you know that there could be a fear there. I wonder what they're going to do to me. Well, whatever. I'm not going to live in fear. But can it happen? Yeah. And I know that. But so what? Do what you know you should do. Live for the truth and let her rip. Just keep getting up. When I read the Bible, I think this is so scriptural. This is what happened to them. So you know what? If I would I'd have done if I was Paul, I'd say, look. If you don't want me to preach the gospel, I just won't do it anymore. I mean, what if they had, uh, you know, the cat of nine tails and got all those little broken pieces of bone in it and pottery and metal in it. And they say, okay, now, Paul, if you preach the gospel, we're going to take this, put you over this here uh, big old rock, and we're going to sink this in you, and we're going to rip it across you. We're only going to do it 39 times. Now, would you think twice well, let, let me think about this. You know, maybe I have been a little bit too, you know, I could compromise a little bit. Okay, when you start compromising, how, how far are you going to go? And then what? And then, and then, and then you won't do anything. Serve the Lord with all your heart while you can with what you have. And look at the next verse. 
And verse 7 says, Whom Jason had received, and these do all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Everything they were doing was contrary to the laws of Rome. And so he says, saying that there is another king, Jesus. You see, this whole thing about, you know, them being placed into the, you know, these gladiators, and they would fight animals and so forth. And Paul even talks about being in the arena and these brute beasts and all these things. Well, that was happening to some of God's people. And so he says, uh, this is um, all boiling down to who is king. Is Caesar king? Then obey him. Is Jesus king? Then obey him. Uh, One time they decided they would trap Jesus. So they came to Jesus and um, says, um, the Romans say that we're supposed to pay taxes to them. What dost thou say? Ah, now you're going to get him on record. Get the cameras rolling. Get this down in. You got your VCR working? We got to get every word that he says because they're setting him up. And so, because um, they'd love to get him something against the Roman government. If he would say, don't pay your taxes. Because whenever they came to see Jesus at one time in the temple tax, and uh, Peter says, we'll pay the tax. Jesus rebuked him. He says, how come we that are children, free people, why do we have to pay this tax? Jesus said that. Nevertheless, because you've already given your word, we'll pay the tax. He says, go down here and go fishing, and you'll catch a fish. Open the fish's mouth, and there'll be the money in there for you and me. Now, that means that probably Peter and um, Jesus were older than the other disciples. They could have been because once you hit 20 years of age, so you had to start paying the, uh, uh, the shekel, at, uh, the temple tax. So he says, you go down there and you catch the fish, and then the money will be in the fish's mouth. So uh, that's what he did. Now, isn't it something that he knew where the fish was, and he knew what fish had uh, the money in his mouth, and told Peter to go down there and catch that, that exact fish. Couldn't just catch any fish. You had to catch the fish that had the money. And so he went ahead and paid him. But Jesus told him, says, um, let me see your coin. So they showed him a coin. And he says, whose superscription is this on here? They said, that's, uh, that's Caesar's. He says, then render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render to God that which is God's. Uh, did he answer the question? But he didn't, they couldn't trap him. Jesus, remember, he's smart. Jesus is God. He knows the question before they ask the question. And I think, and the Bible says in John chapter 2, he says, he knew what was in man. He knows how you think. He knows whether you believe or you don't believe. I think it's just awesome. Anyway, now look what he says here in verse 8. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city, when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let him go. So this is like reading uh, a book on the Indiana Jones. I mean, Paul is going from one thing to the next thing. It's just one crisis after the other. Everything's wonderful. The next thing you know, he's been beaten. He's in jail. There's an earthquake, and then this happened, and People want to kill him, and then he moves right along, and <laughs> it's awesome. 
Look what it says in verse 10. In verse 10, he says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Did they quit? No, they just went to another place and went to another synagogue. And then in verse 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You ever heard churches called the Berean church? Berean church. Uh, that's because they like the way, you know, this is worded, and so they take themselves, we're the Bereans. It means that they readily receive the scriptures and they study to see these things are true. Some people you can preach to them and they just take it and believe it and never read the Bible. I've led a lot of people to the Lord and um, I was telling them in college class and I'll probably mention it toward the end of the service this morning. I was down here at the uh, McDonald's and I got finished drinking my coffee and I got ready to leave and I started to go out the door and there's these two little ladies that's always in there and they sit at that little high stool, you know, and so they'll say, and I'll make a comment to them at times, and I've given them a track, and I walk out. So they knew I was a preacher. And I got ready to walk out, and this one little redhead lady, she says, I got a question. So I walked back to her. I said, yes, ma'am, what can I answer for you? She says, what about Lucifer and Satan? And uh, are there two of them or what? And she was just kind of confused about it. So I explained to her, you know, that Satan was Lucifer after he fell and so forth. So... And she said, well, where's that in the Bible? I says, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. You know, okay, well, I appreciate that. And I turned and I said, well, wait, I got a question I got to ask you. I says, I'm a preacher. This is what I do. I says, do you know for certain you're going to go to heaven when you die? And she looked at me and she says, where are you going today? <laughs> and um, I took that to mean she thinks she's going to go to hell. And I says, no, I'm, I says, I'm 75 years old. I said, I've only had one person in 75 years ever told me how to go to heaven. I says, now, I'm not going to ask you how old you are. She says, I'm 83. <laughs> okay. And she said, it. she was proud of those 83 years. She says, I'm 83. And I, the other lady didn't say anything. She just smiled. And uh, I said, then, in 83 years, she said, you've never had anybody tell you the truth about how to go to heaven. I says, you got a minute? I, let me ask you. She says, Okay. So I explained it to her. After I got through, I said, now, where are you going to go when you die? She says, going to heaven. I said, well, how do you know Christ paid for all my sins? It was a wonderful, you know, just that, that quick. Where are you going? Where are you going? Something had to happen in between. They had to hear something and believe something. So, and yet, they may never go to church. They may never read the Bible. Never studied to see if it's, they just take it by faith that what they heard, that was the truth, and they're going to trust Christ as their Savior. Well, there's people that do that. But he says, these people here are more noble in that they are, well, look what he says again in verse 12, 11. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. A whole bunch of people trusted the Lord. And when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul in Berea, that at Berea, they came thither also, and look at this, four words. What did they do? Following Paul, stirred up the people, 
And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timothy abode there still. Paul now is on his way to Athens. Athens, Georgia. That's in the next statement there. He went to Athens, Georgia. But you see, wherever you go, whatever you do, we just sow the seed. And some seeds will fall upon stony ground. And some will fall upon good ground. And you don't know what's going to grow and what's not going to grow. Put your confidence in the Word of God and just keep sowing the Word. Look up here. Let me explain this very simple and clear for you. Most people are like I have been. I believe that if you were good, you'd go to heaven and bad, well, you'd go to hell. But nobody ever told me how good I had to be to go to heaven. They never told me how bad I had to be to go to hell. So I really didn't know I had mixed emotions at times. Some days I was pretty good. I mean, I didn't beat up anybody. I didn't do a lot of things like that. I didn't rob a bank. This hand represents you and me. Now, the Bible says that God loves us. But we were born with a sinful nature because of sinful nature that we already have within us. We were born as a sinner. The sins that we commit is only the fruit of a bad root. That's why we do all these bad things. And you can quit some of the fruit and pick off the fruit off of a tree, but you haven't changed the tree. You're still the same. Just because you don't drink or smoke or do this and then whatever anybody wants to call us, it don't matter. You have a root problem. You have a sinful nature. You were born with it. And we all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. See, God is perfect. We come short of God's perfection. And because of sin, we can't get in. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth shall die. That's why everybody dies, because everybody sins. And eternal separation from God in a literal fire-burning hell. But God says He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, say, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are. The Bible says that we cannot save ourselves. No more than that thief on the cross could not save himself. So the Bible says that we need a Savior. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us. But He hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because He loved us, He took our sins. And when He took our sins, now according to the law, He has to die. And He died on that cross and came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe, He did it for us that He would save us from hell, give us eternal life. And I know whenever I leave this world, I'm going to heaven. I have eternal life. Not because I deserved it. It's because God loved me. And He paid for all of my sins. And all that I had to do was believe He did it for me. And God says, when you believe He did it for you, he gives to you as a free gift everlasting life. The Bible says Christ paid for all of our sins of the whole world. So it's not how many sins you've committed. It's that have you ever sinned? If you've got one against you, that's all you need. To go to heaven, so you have to be perfect. Now, if you were perfect and never committed a sin, well, then you wouldn't need a Savior. But the Bible says... Everybody in the world has sinned and come short of God's perfection. So you need a Savior. 
and it ain't you. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you don't have a Savior. If you don't accept it as a gift, you won't have it. You must believe that it is free and that it lasts forever. So when we hear the gospel, good news, it means that salvation is free. You can't earn it. And once you have it, you can't lose it. Now, if you know some preacher that says that you've got to deserve it, and if you don't live right, you're going to lose it, that man doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. And you can tell him that Ralph Yankee Arnold, pastor of Calvary Community Church, said so. And if they don't like it, tell them, come see me. I got a lot of bodyguards around here. <laughs> no, sometimes I get a little facetious. I, I know that. But that's okay. I still have an old sinful nature, and I get riled at times. But I know where I come from. I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I've never done anything to deserve to go to heaven. But the Lord, He did it all. He took and paid for all of my sins. Some people ought to sing that song. Jesus paid part. I paid part myself. You heard that song. Everybody sings it. Only behave. Only behave. All things are probable. Only behave. Now how's that go? Only Believe. Only believe. That's all. I was sinking deep in sin. Whee! <laughs> all of us were sinking deep in sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. His blood washed it white as snow. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never done it, you're not saved. But wouldn't you like to be saved? Wouldn't you like to know that you are going to heaven when you die? Wouldn't you like to know that when that time comes, you'll be in paradise? That very moment. Jesus promised that. Would you believe him? Since you can't save yourself, and there's only one Savior, doesn't it make sense to say the only one there is? You can't earn your way to heaven, so don't even try. You don't have to promise to stop something or join something. That would just make you a religious hypocrite. And you don't want to be a hypocrite. Salvation is free. It's a gift. God loves you so much. Would you trust Him and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? In just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. Raising your hand does not save you. I am not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want to know if what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to have prayer for you in closing. So in the quietness of this moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone else say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me. And I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And this morning, right now, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. And I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip it up very quickly, put it right back down, in with all. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. And we're all. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? No axe to grind, no gimmicks. Eternal life is free. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for these scriptures that we can study. And Father, to gain confidence and hope, realizing that, yes, in this life, doesn't mean everybody's going to love us to death. And we may suffer great things, great consequences. But Father, we know that uh, life is short and eternity is long. Hell is hot. Help us to be found faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me